You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. My name is Angie, and I'm your host, and in the studio with me today is Mark Bird with Revive Ohio. Hello. Hello, Angie. Well, I think it's time to start a new topic, and I like this one. I think this topic is important for people to hear and to explore, and it's not just for the people you would think it's for. We're talking leadership. Yeah. Everybody is a leader because everybody has Something God has called them out for. Am I right? You are absolutely correct. You're the winner today. Angie. I am the winner. Yay, I get the prize. All right, so what are we going to do today? Let me start off by saying this, Angie. You might hear lessons throughout this series that you might not think about leadership as, or leaders in the Bible that we may not think about in terms of leadership. Yeah, there's some obvious ones. There are. I mean, Jesus was the leader. Yeah. Abraham, Moses, there were some leaders. Exactly. We, if we, we made a family say. feud program out of it, Angie, the top 10 leaders, yeah. you know, there'd be Joshua. some role. Yep. Yeah, but there's others. There are others. We're going to explore some of them. And I think it's going to be exciting as we do because they are great examples of leadership. Mm, great. Awesome. Yeah. So bottom line is this, Angie, I think who are the greatest leaders and why were they great leaders? One of the things we're going to look into is Maybe pretty obvious. Hebrews 11, by faith, these great people, they mm-hmm. were listed. So let me ask you this first, just right off the top. Was it just men listed as those leaders no. in that chapter? No, right. there was Deborah, who was the judge in yeah. Israel. Amen. That's just one. That's, That's just the obvious one. one. And so there's lots more to come, but stay tuned. We're going to dive into it in our first one here, Leadership 101. Joining us on the program today, new to our listeners, is my new brother in Christ, and not because he's newly born into the kingdom, but new to me. Like, I've just really been introduced to this brother fairly recently, but man, we have bonded, and I have learned a lot already from him, and uh, he has listened to me a lot as well. Welcome to the program, Pastor Phil Elmore. Well, hey, thank you very much for having me today. It's an honor to be talking to you, and you are truly a new friend, so to speak, a brother in the Lord. And uh, I know that we've connected over the last several weeks, and I'm just happy to be connecting with you and starting to build a relationship with you. Yeah, and as the listeners have heard me say many, many times, each week when we go into the topic that we're going to be discussing, and then we begin to pray, and we begin to ask the Lord, hey, Lord, who would you have us to come on today and speak toward this topic? And Phil, even though our relationship is fairly new, uh, the Lord brought you to my mind and reached out to you, and voila, here you are available. So Phil, thanks again for popping on here and your availability. But one thing I've learned already just in the few times we've been together is your heart for the Lord. And of course, this is what we really desire for the listeners to understand is the practical ways that God uses people. And so you mm-hmm. might be yep. a you might be a clergy, but you might not be, and it's okay because God uses people. And the topic absolutely. Uh, yeah, and the topic we're looking at now, we're beginning this uh, new series called Leadership. And here's the thing I believe, and the reason the Lord put this on my heart is because I see very, very frequently now, people are searching for leadership. Yes. And what I'm seeing and hearing as well is there are lots of leaders 
in the world today, right? But really what we're focused on, obviously, in the context of this program is godly leadership. And one right. of the things I want to ask you right off the bat, Phil, is what does that mean to you when you hear leadership? When you're talking godly leadership, I really believe that it hangs on what Christ was saying. You know, the, it was recorded in the Bible that the scholars came to him and asked him, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Uh, and Jesus said, you know, the first is love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love thy neighbor as thyself. And in the world that we're living today, there is a real lack of leadership and follow through and living that example out. And unfortunately, we as Christians, we struggle with that from time to time because we've got feelings. Uh, our feelings get hurt. Uh, things happen. Things get said about us. Uh, and I'm learning this too. I mean, I, I've been, I've been, you know, walking with Christ since age 12 and I will be 56 my next birthday. And it is a constant message, a constant reminder that we need to lead by example. And, and the greatest area in leading by example in this fractured culture that we're living in, you know, political and racism and economic and all those things, we have to lead by example by loving people. And we need to look at them as they are the same creature that that I am, that we've been created by the same God. And so I, I think that that's that's huge right there. We need to, we need to, uh, you know, lead by loving. That's good. That's good, Phil. So that is a great example because that is the example that Christ himself made for us, right? That is his example. And obviously he was the best, most gifted example that we have to look for toward leadership. But, you know, more specifically, Phil, when we're talking about mm -hmm. leadership, like everybody, it seems these days, has an opinion, has values, and has something to say that's going on in our world. So many people are seeking to provide some sort of leadership because now they have a voice, either on social media or some other version, right? But lots of people have lots of opinions, and they're offering leadership. So how do you begin mm -hmm. to how do you begin to discern what's good leadership to follow, Phil? Well, it's really to me it's it's proof in the pudding, so to speak. John Maxwell, uh, he he is quote unquote the leadership leader. He trains leaders, and uh, I've been to several of his conferences, read most of his books, and you know he he says here a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. And I'm just going to be blunt with you. I, I think leadership is one of those words that the world has fallen in love with. Uh, they think it is something that is, you know, powerful and it is something to be desired. And I can hang my hat on this this title because I am a leader. Leadership is so much more than a, than a, a title in fulfilling a position. And just as we got into the pandemic, and I think the pandemic, they started shutting things down last March. And I had a revelation about May 
And I was reading in John chapter 15. I'm just going to share this with you. John chapter 15 is the story of the vine, and we are the branches. And John chapter 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, and this is Christ speaking, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And when I read that, and I've read that so many times in my life, Mark, but for whatever reason, it jumped off the page to me. And from that moment on, I have stopped referring to myself as a leader. Now, listen, I've pastored three churches, started two churches, started a nonprofit organization for ministry, uh, started a chaplaincy program in a police department here in Ohio. So one would say, yeah, you're a leader, you're a leader. But at the end of the day, Mark, I cannot do nothing. The word says, Jesus says, I can do nothing aside from him. Now, I hate cliches much as the next man. <laughs> and so w- w- I'm getting ready to, to, to put out a cliche out there, and it almost sickens my stomach, but this is where the rubber meets the road. You cannot be a leader until you first learn how to follow. Wow. And I think we have a lot of leaders that want to lead, but they don't necessarily know the way. Uh, And if they don't know the way, then how are they going to go the way? And so if we don't know the way or go the way, how are we going to show the way? And I'm telling you, Mark, everything that a child of God does or ever hopes to do in the form or the title of leadership, you have to be a Christ follower. Mm. And that, and Jesus loved everybody. You know, those, those soldiers that was nailing him to the cross, he loved them. And, and everyone who was shouting and spitting on him and making cruel comments, he just said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Is that not a leader? Is that yeah. not a leader? Yes. And I'm, I'm just totally amazed because, listen, ministry can get really messy. Life can get really messy. People can say hurtful things. And we have a tendency to hold grudges. And I didn't think I was a person that held grudges. I really didn't. I thought, man, I, I have, you know, I, I have the spirit of forgiveness about me and, and I've never held grudges. Well, about six years ago, I was age 50 going through my midlife crisis, so to speak. Yeah. Some people said some terrible things about me. And I found out, Mark, for four years, I held a grudge. Wow. And, and I'm looking, I'm saying, you know, as I'm reading this, I'm like, I, I'm not being a leader here. Hmm. I'm not following Christ's lead. And, and, and I can't be a leader until I learn how to follow. And that is not just in a spiritual sense, but that's in an emotional sense. That's in a relational sense. That's in a financial sense. That's becoming the leader and the follower in your home. And I'm just telling you, Mark, I love leadership. Leadership is important. But you look around our world today. Yeah. You just type, you just type books on leadership. How many hundreds and thousands of books have been written about leadership? And, and I know we're talking secular, business world, church world, the whole nine yards. Leadership has been preached and taught and, 
and had conferences about it, but it still seems like we're falling short. And I really believe the, the reason we're falling short is not that we, can't, we cannot comprehend what we're reading, but where we're falling short, we're falling short in surrendering to Christ and becoming that leader. Wow. And, and, and I just really think that that's where everything falls for me is becoming a follower of Christ, not just asking him to forgive us of our sins, but it's surrendering our will, our emotions, our futures, everything to him. So to me, that's what, that's kind of what leadership looks like. That's really good, Phil. I want to stop for just a second because I want to focus on something that you said. And what I Mm -hmm. heard ringing out true is without Christ, we are nothing. John 15 says that. We are nothing. The only thing that we are in the beginning is a disciple of Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a, a student of Christ. And what you said, what I heard you say, Phil, is you can't be a leader until you're a follower. Well, until you're mm-hmm. a follower of Christ, you can't be a leader for Christ. And I yes. also want to take it yes. back one step further to what you said earlier, Phil, and how you articulated leadership. And hey, wow, it's it's the bright, shiny thing that people read books about they go to seminars about because they want to be a leader because after all, Phil, isn't leadership all shiny and glamorous all the time? Yeah, you're right. Everybody, not everybody, you know, there, there's a few people that really understand what it is to be a leader. And, and we've all heard this old saying that, that it's, it's lonely at the top. And as far as ministry, it really is. Most pastors, 80, 90% of the pastors do not have a close friend. And so I just remember, you know, I was a lay person in my church. I held probably every conceivable position in the church. But when I answered the call to ministry and I started going to ministry school and took on the title of associate pastor, it was really sad, but it was also eye-opening to where the people, the other couples that me and my wife ran around with that we had fellowship with, they all started dropping off one by one because we were going to another level and they were not going to that level. They didn't have that calling on their life that we still stayed in touch. Yeah. But we found out that, you know, Hey, we've taken this next step. They haven't. And, but going through the the whole process of leadership, you, you have to, I just remember very distinctively, Mark, the very first day, that I stepped into the office at the Blanchard Avenue Church of God in Finley, Ohio. I was the newly elected pastor, and I had been an associate pastor for several years at another church, been a youth leader, been all these things. But I just remember that day, that morning, I was so excited to be there. I got to the church like at 545 in the morning. (laughs) Wow. I had to drive an hour to get there because I had not yet moved my family. And I put that key in the door to the office and I turned that knob. And just as I passed through the threshold of that doorway, it was unbelievable. And I'm getting goosebumps telling you about it now, but there was a mantle mm. that I felt laid upon me as I walked into that office. Wow. And it, it was almost to the point where I had to go sit down. Hmm. In fact, I did go sit down 
And I began to think of the men who had sat behind this desk that, you know, had gone before me. It was a church full of rich history and tradition. But it just dawned on me, you know, as I as I entered into that room that everything that I'm going to do, every decision that I'm going to make as a pastor, not only is it going to be scrutinized by the congregation, but I'm going to have to give an answer to the Father for what goes on in this church on my watch. That's it, brother. And a lot of people do not consider that. You know, they, they're in love with the title. They're in love with all the stuff that, that seemingly goes with it. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of lonely nights. There, there's a lot of times where you and your wife are in tears because, you know, sometimes those sheep bite and you have to love them. You can't take it out on them because you, guess what? Jesus said, for Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. <laughs> Sometimes as a pastor and as a leader, you were leading people that don't necessarily want to be led. Amen. That's so good, Phil. It, and, <laughs> yeah, so many things you said already there just reminds me of so many things that I've experienced as well. I got to share this little nugget too. Um, I don't think I've ever shared this on the air either, but one of my very closest mentors uh, who mentored us for years, my wife and I, and one day we had a meeting and we were sharing with him the feel to being called into pastoral ministry. And we were sharing it with him and he was like, you know, just, you know, describe you know, describe how things are going in your life, your everyday life, and, you know, with relationships and friendships and, you know, body of Christ, the whole nine yards. And then we shared some things. And then a few months later, we came back and had another meeting with him. And we sat down at lunch and uh, we began to describe to him how, just as you said, Phil, how lonely we were feeling and how many of our relationships were uh, friendships, uh, weren't as strong anymore. And that, um, we found that the closer we drew to Christ, uh, the farther some of our relationships had drifted. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And he looked at us. I'll never forget this as long as I live. Cause he says, I think you're prepared to walk into this now. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? That, that was the last thing that I had in mind that he would ever say. But I was like, you know, here we are feeling lonely and just, you know, isolated on a, on an Island, so to speak. And, uh, man, here we was, he goes, Oh, I think you're ready. And I was like, what? that makes you ready for ministry, you know, like that in pastoral ministry. And he's like, trust me, <laughs> you know, it's the same thing like you're describing Phil. And so, man, once you get into that, Phil, and now guess what, who you have to lean on is the Lord himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And it, it, it's a walk of faith because even as a lay person, when we follow Christ, sometimes it's difficult. You know, the flesh isn't doesn't want to submit, and um, and then it, then you put the the mantle of being a pastor with that leadership and all that that means. You really do have to buckle down and learn to trust God. I mean, I, I think of Moses. I mean, my goodness sakes, Moses. You know, he was reluctant to step forward, but God doesn't make mistakes, and we know God doesn't make mistakes. So when he chose Moses to lead the children of Israel, Moses was getting it from all sides. I mean, he was just getting lambasted on every decision that he made, seemingly. Finally, at one point, his father-in-law said, you know, you can't keep doing this. You're going to need some help. Right. And, and that's another thing with being a leader. 
a leader doesn't mean you're John Wayne and, and you're just going to just run roughshod over everybody and, and you're going to have all the answers and you're, and you're never going to be defeated. Leadership is also realizing, number one, I need help here. And number two, I need to train future leaders. So therefore, I need to start learning the art of delegation. And because if you're a one hit one, you will be a one hit wonder <laughs> as a leader. Right. If you think that it's going to be all up to you to make everything happen. So, you know, that whole thing there that we just previously talked about is to me leadership, but the second part, and I know we probably don't have time to go into it, but delegation is, is the next biggest thing. Yeah. And for me, Phil, it screams of discipleship. And that is what we just touched on very briefly. So if I'm a mm -hmm. disciple of Christ, then I'm also discipling others. That's what a leader is. So, you know, Absolutely. basically basically the scripture says, you know, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. I think it's like he will exalt you to lead others because of your humility, because you're modeling humility, which Jesus modeled to us. And I think discipleship says I'm being discipled by Christ. So Phil, should every leader be discipled by Christ? Like, is that a one-time deal or <laughs> what does that look like? Well, if it was a one-time deal, then, then I certainly didn't accomplish it the first time around because he is constantly re-carrying me. You know, I'm that lump of clay that's on the wheel, mm. and he's molding me and making me. And, and I just told this to someone last week, I think it was, that I will be 56 my next birthday, which is in, in a couple of weeks. I don't know why I'm stuck on that, but anyhow. Uh, my point is that here I am, I'm 56 years old. I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 12 years old. And you would have thought by now that I would have had a lot of these things figured out. <laughs> but apparently not, because he keeps going back and saying, hey, uh, we need to take this test again. You need to go through this course again, whether that is a, a course of humbling oneself or learning forgiveness um, drawing closer to him. Because I, I told someone, if you read John chapter 15, again, it's talking about the, the vineyard and he's the vine dresser, the father's the vine dresser. They're going to come out. The father's going to cut. He's yeah. going to trim that vine. Regardless of whether you're producing fruit or you're not producing fruit, you're going to get cut. Yeah. And we just hope and pray that we're getting cut for the right reason. We're getting cut because we, we were bearing some fruit, maybe a little bit of fruit. He sees potential in us, and he wants to cut us a little bit more that we're going to bear more fruit. You know, the flip side of that is you're not bearing any fruit. You're just dragging down the, the rest of the, the vine here, so to speak. You're dragging down the health of the plant, so we're going to cut you off and throw you into a fire. Right. Well, you, don't want to be, you don't want to be cut for that reason. You want to be cut because you're bearing fruit. And, and I, that's what I feel like the Lord's been doing with me the last probably five or six years. He said, man, you've done so, so well, you've done, you know, you've done this, you've done that, but you know what? It's time to step up the game. I want you to bear more fruit. And so we have to walk through those times as a leader and the tough times really determine what kind of leader you are. Yeah. Either you're going to be a leader that perseveres and you're going to have a story to tell and you're going to lead others, or you're going to become bitter and angry and you're going to stop bearing fruit. Ooh, that's good. Phil, last question. Do you think it's safe to say, listen, if you're stepping up, if you're signing up for leadership, that fruit pruning <laughs> is more frequent and deeper, 
And do you think it's safe to say as a uh, as just a warning to our brothers and sisters, if you if you're called to leadership, you may be, but uh, the fruit trimming and the fruit husbandman, you know, as you said, the father yeah. is. Do you, do you think that's even more stringent when you're a leader? Yes, just because you know, as a leader, and again, a lot of my vantage point is as a leader is being a leader in the church or in a religious organization. But whether you're a born-again Christian and maybe you don't hold a position, but you are still the leader of your home, uh, you you will have those days where God is going to say, I want to bring you a step further. I want to bring you a step further. And as a lay person, he will do that because ultimately he wants you to replicate yourself as a disciple maker. But once you get into leadership, leadership where you actually have a position and a title and benchmarks to meet and all of that that goes along with a paid position, whatever, as a leader in the church, yeah, you will get just so many different types of prunings because you were hit with, you get hit with integrity. You get in, again, with forgiveness, uh, vision, uh, knowing the word, you, you you get hit with all of those types of things, and uh, as a leader, you need to really be prepared to be pruned. That's excellent, Phil. I know we could go on and on because we already have in several conversations that we've had outside of this, but yeah. I really appreciate you pouring out your heart and sharing your insight, sharing your wisdom and your experiences as well. Because again, we want to encourage leadership. Uh, we want to encourage godly leadership by those that are listening to this, tuning in, and uh, we want you to be encouraged, but we also want you to be warned, if you will, right? Because yes, uh, because the Lord is so good, and he so wants shepherds that would follow after his own heart. So, Phil, once again, thanks for joining us on the program today. Thanks for sharing. And, uh, man, listen, tune in again uh, next week because there's lots more to unpack about leadership and you've been listening to Time to Revive. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.